Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. All right, grab your Bibles and meet me in Psalm 119. Everyone's going to need a Bible today, so there's Bibles on the pew in front of you if you need one or if you've got one on your phone, but we're all going to need a Bible. So Psalm 119, page 611 in the pew Bible if you're looking there. And as we start off the new year, we have our week of prayer, as we've mentioned already, and we usually take some time in January just to teach on prayer a little bit. It's just a good time of year. As we start off a new year, uh, we're often making resolutions, and if we're not making resolutions, we're making plans, and it's just a good time to reflect on uh, how am I doing in my walk with the Lord? How is my prayer life going? How is my time in the Word going? And because of that, it's a good time of the year to teach on prayer and just kind of remind ourselves of the importance of prayer. Uh, So we'll do that for the next couple of weeks. So, true story, comes to us from England, and I didn't mean that to sound weird, like the English don't tell us true stories. Uh, True story out of England, this was from the 90s, it was in the news, you might remember it, it's one of those quirky little stories, but uh, a man in England goes into his backyard one night, and he is just spending some time in the yard, It's, it's late, the sun is down, the moon is up, and he hears an owl hoot in the distance, hoo, hoo. And so, just for kicks, he decides to throw one back, so he goes, hoo, hoo. And then the owl answers, hoo, hoo. He thought, oh, that was pretty cool. Honey, I've been chatting with an owl in the backyard. A couple nights later, he's out in the backyard again, and uh, he just decides on a whim, hey, maybe that owl's still out there. So he goes, hoo, and he hears the response, hoo. It's like, oh, cool, the owl remembers me. And this was a guy who, in general, liked birds. And so uh, this is before the internet is huge. But he went to his books, and he began to, to study owls and the kind of sounds that they make and different things. And he began to learn more to try and figure out how to better communicate with this owl. And so he went out one night and said, I'll try it this way, hoo-hoo. And he hears, hoo-hoo, come back. And he goes, this is amazing. And so he starts keeping a journal of these interactions that he's actually communicating with this owl, having this incredible back and forth. Because I don't know if you know this, but humans do not normally talk to owls. But this man has found a way to bridge this gap. And so as a bird lover, he's in heaven. This goes on for a couple of years. And so he keeps track of all of these interactions. He learns more and more. There's a depth to their back and forth that is growing. And he is so excited. So Fast forward to a summer, one of the neighbors is throwing a barbecue, and everybody's hanging out, and the man's wife is talking to one of the other wives, and she says, you know, it's the funniest thing, my husband for the last couple of years has been out in the backyard having this conversation back and forth with an owl in the neighborhood, and the other woman said, that's so funny, my husband does the same thing. And so the light bulb goes off, everyone's a little embarrassed, and everyone carries on with their lives. But, uh, but, but I've had, I remembered that story, I found this article on that this week, and it was talking about, uh, you know, there was something about that where when we can kind of bridge that gap with an animal, or at least think that we're doing it, there is something very cool and very powerful about that, right? Because we are speaking with a species that is not like ourselves. So we learn uh, from our dogs what different, you know, wagon of the tail means and different body language. You learn how to communicate. They learn your tone of voice, which is amazing. You might remember a number of years ago, Coco the ape, 
who learned sign language. Like, we learned how to communicate via sign language with another primate. So, like, we're not even close to speaking the same language, but we found a way. There was a bond. There was a way to communicate. Uh, scientists are learning how to communicate with dolphins in a way that is apparently effective. I don't get how that works, but they're smart scientists, so they're figuring these things out. And there's just something about when we are communicating with someone uh, or something that is so different from ourselves that is just kind of cool. It's kind of inspiring. And how this relates to prayer is, as it relates to us as humans somehow communicating with this God who is so much greater and more holy and more majestic and more glorious than us, and yet somehow we have found a way through prayer to communicate with him. And we also have the ability to hear back from him. We can speak to God, and he can speak to us. And so there is a way that we have learned, and we are continually seeking to learn how do we communicate with this God of ours. How do we pray in a way that is powerful and effective? How do we pray in a way that we know he will hear? And how do we learn how to hear his voice? And so that's a lifelong journey for us as followers of Jesus, looking to grow in the depth of our prayer life because prayer is our connection and our communion with him. And so as we talk about prayer today, what we are talking about is a way in which we can pray perfect prayers every time. Prayers that we know God wants to hear. And so let's take a look at our text today. We're in Psalm 119, page 611 in the Pew Bible. Psalm 119 is a huge psalm. Uh, so we're in verse 33, if you want to meet me there. The psalmist says, Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life. So that's one small section of a much larger psalm. And Psalm 119 is a fascinating one to dig into. And it's in this little section, of course. But one of the big themes of Psalm 119 is the word of the Lord. And even in this short section that we just read, when he's talking about precepts, statutes, laws, he's talking about the word of the Lord, the revelation of God, the right way to go, living in God's word, living in God's ways. And we're just going to use this to, to jump to some other scripture as well. This will just kind of be the foundation. But uh, the cry of the heart of the psalmist is, help me understand this word better so that I can keep it better. Help me to know it better so that I can live it out. According to your word, preserve my life. Keep your promise to me, the promise that you give in your word. Let that promise come to pass. This is a guy who loves the word of God. And when we talk about praying perfect prayers, that really, in simplicity, is all we are talking about. We are talking about praying the word of God. Praying the word of God in such a way that we are actually connecting with God through his word and praying his word back to him. We have three major religions that are well-known around the world. There are more than that, but three of the best-known are Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And the Muslims, five times a day, will stop whatever they are doing. Devout Muslims will stop, and they will pray. They will take time out of their day, whatever's going on, when, when the alarm goes off, when the call to pray comes on, they stop what they are doing, and they pray. And what they pray is their scripture. They memorize their scripture like crazy, and they offer their scripture up in prayer. Now, theologically, I'm not endorsing what the Muslims believe, so don't, don't jump to that conclusion. But devotionally, there is something about that that I think can challenge us and inspire us. Five times a day, they stop and they pray. Five times a day, they are returning scripture in their prayer. Uh, a lot of Christians aren't stopping once a day. 
so we can at least be challenged by the practice, even if we disagree with the theology. Our Jewish brothers and sisters, uh, if you're an Orthodox, devout Jewish person, you are expected to memorize huge sections of Scripture. Uh, a lot of Jewish people will have the book of Psalms memorized. They'll start learning it at a young age. And the reason they do that is because that is what they pray. Not that they can't pray other things as well, but they will pray the Psalms back to God. They will memorize the Scripture, and then they will pray it. And memorizing Scripture, uh, honestly, is a lost art amongst a lot of Christianity. It used to be something that we were all kind of expected to do as followers of Jesus. We don't do it as much anymore. But one of the reasons, one of the benefits of knowing Scripture and memorizing Scripture is that we can pray Scripture then to God. We can take what we are reading and we can offer it to God in prayer. In our Western culture, much of the emphasis of the Bible is study. It is study the Bible. And it's really good for me because I wouldn't have a job if that wasn't the case. It's not so bad. And we want to study the Bible. We need to learn the Bible. We have to have understanding of the Bible. But I'm just going to nudge you a step further in this now, that we want to study the Bible and learn the Bible and know the Bible for many reasons, but one of them is so that we can actually pray the Bible. We can pray the Word of God back to God. And when we pray the Word of God to God, we are praying perfect prayers every single time. So there's a couple of different ways that this works, and we're going to go through both of them today. The first one is that there are prayers in the Scripture. The Scripture is full of people praying. It's full of godly men and godly women, and they are praying to God, and not every prayer ever prayed is recorded, of course, but there are key prayers that are recorded in the Scripture, and they are there for us to learn from. So Abraham prays, and it's in there. Prayers of Moses are in there. Prayers of David are in there. Prayers of Paul are in there. And so this is very important, these prayers that are there in Scripture, because we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture comes from God. It is birthed from him to humanity. God speaks something to people, and those people inspired by him wrote it down, and that is the word of God. And so these prayers that we find in scripture are not just prayers that people conjured up. They are not just prayers that people came up with on their own, out of their heart to pray to God. If they're prayers that are found in scripture, these are God-breathed prayers. These are prayers inspired by him that are recorded for us that are there for us to learn how to pray and even to pray themselves. So if a prayer comes from God, then we know God likes that prayer, right? Because it came from him. We know that's the kind of prayer that he wants. And so if all scripture is God-breathed and then there are prayers that we find in scripture, those prayers are also God-breathed. And when we pray them, God is breathing through us. And it might sound a little strange. Why would God breathe through us to himself? But everything that God is doing in us is an offering to himself. God is glorifying himself in our lives, and he is helping us where we cannot help ourselves to know him better, to pray better, to worship better, to live better. All of it is coming from him. So there are prayers found in scripture that are perfect prayers. When we pray them, we are praying God's will because he is the one who willed them in the first place. There's another passage from Isaiah 55. Uh, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, says the Lord. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God speaks from heaven. His word comes to earth, and the metaphor that he uses is like the rain. The rain comes down, and the rain comes down for a purpose. It waters everything. It makes the crops grow. It gives us drinking water, and it comes down, and then it returns to the Lord. 
uh, God's word comes into to the earth, does its work, and returns to him. You might remember back in elementary school, we learned about the water cycle. This is what God is talking about in his word. Rain forms in the clouds, it falls down to the earth, it waters everything, it soaks into the ground, it moves into the lakes and streams, and then it evaporates again and turns into clouds again. The cycle continues and continues. That's the picture that God uses in Isaiah 55. And it's not that we have to return God's word to him because he needs it, but God sends his word to us. Us, and as we pray his word, as we repeat his word back to him, we are returning his word to him as our worship, as our prayer. And it's a perfect prayer every time because it came from him in the first place. So the best example of this in the Bible is the book of Psalms. And we gave you a little insert with your bulletin today. And that's just something you can tuck into your Bible if you want to that breaks down the book of Psalms into some main categories. On the other side, there's a bunch of other prayers that we find in Scripture. Uh, the prayer of Jabez, uh, Mary's Magnificat, some of Paul's prayers in the New Testament. And so these are biblical prayers that we find there that we can pray. We can offer them as our worship, as our prayer to the Lord. And the book of Psalms is amazing. And you've heard me talk about Psalms before because it is for the Jewish people their prayer prayer book. It is the prayer book of the Bible. And what's amazing about these prayers that we find in Scripture is when I don't know what to pray, there are perfect prayers sitting there just waiting for me to pray them. I don't need to come up with the right words. The perfect words are there already. And that's not to say that I shouldn't, you know, maybe stretch myself and praying on my own as well. But in these biblical prayers that we find, there are perfect prayers there that we can offer up. What's beautiful about the book of Psalms is the Psalms come from people going through real life. And there's every range of emotion that you can find in there. Every situation of life you can imagine. Someone in the book of Psalms has gone through it and written a prayer about it. And so you might remember when smartphones first started coming out, uh, and Apple especially, there was, uh, they were really advertising that, you know, apps were new, right? Like there was, it was all, these were all new words to us at the time. But if you got a smartphone, there was an app store, and you could find apps for lots of different things in life. And the tagline was, there's an app for that, right? Do you remember? There's an app for that. If you want uh, something to help you track your fitness, there's an app for that. If you want something to help you manage your finances, there's an app for that. If you want something to keep track of all your recipes, there's an app for that. And so with the book of Psalms, whatever you are going through in life, there's a psalm for that. From the highest highs to the lowest lows. If you are full of worship and thanksgiving, there are psalms that will help you celebrate that. If you are in the pit of despair, there are psalms that will help you pray through that. And sometimes, especially in those darker moments, we don't have a clue what to pray. We don't even know how to start. How do you begin to approach uh, God when you're just carrying the weight of the world upon you? Well, there's a psalm there, a perfect prayer that can help you pray in that moment. You pray that psalm to God, and you know he hears it because he's the one who breathed it in the first place. If you are uh, stumbling into sin and aren't sure how to repent, there are psalms of repentance. If you want to pray for Canada, pray for the nation, there are psalms that repent for the nation and pray for the nation. If you want to just celebrate what God is doing in your life, if you want to say thank you for what he's doing in your life, if you want to, if you're struggling with why is there evil in the world and, and why do good people suffer and bad people seem to prosper, there's a psalm for that. And again, these tough situations where we don't always know what to say, the book of Psalms is there to do it for us. And as we offer these prayers to God, we just read them to God as our prayer. 
and they are perfect prayers every single time because God is the one that breathed them in the first place. I usually pray a psalm a day just as part of my prayer practice. I pray it out loud. Uh, and not that you have to pray it out loud, but there is something about out, out loud. Scripture says faith comes by hearing. Uh, there is something about hearing the word of the Lord that is a bit different than reading the word of the Lord. Not that reading isn't also powerful, but I also, this is just me, I want the devil to hear what I'm praying. I want the angels to hear what I'm praying. Like, I, I think it's powerful when we do it out loud. When you read people praying in the Bible, it is almost always out loud. And so I will read a psalm a day typically, maybe not every single day, but most days I will read a psalm out loud, and it'll just be part of my prayer life. The amazing thing when we do this, when we start to pray the word of, the God, word of God back to God, uh, we actually get better at praying in general. Because we start to learn, oh, these are the kinds of prayers that God likes. These are the kinds of prayers that he's looking for. So it doesn't always have to be by the book, but as we do it by the book and get better at it, then our prayer in general will get better because we'll start to learn this is the way to pray. We learn how to pray through praying the Psalms. There are many other prayers in Scripture, and again, some of them are on your bulletin insert by no means all of them, but a few of them anyway. Um, and there's just different things for different seasons and different things that we can celebrate uh, as we learn how to pray this more and more. So one of the ways that we pray the Bible is just by finding prayers in the Bible and praying those things. That's the first way. The second way is prayers from the Scripture. And by that, I don't mean, uh, you know, actual prayers like we were just talking about. But as we read the Scripture, as we understand the Scripture, we pray into the things that we find there. So I have not done the math on this, and I... I had a bunch of different sources tell me a bunch of different things this week. So I might just be wrong on what I'm about to say, but I found a bit of a general consensus uh, that there are over 3,000 promises given in God's word from God to his people. Some versions uh, of things I read this week said there were 30,000 promises, which seems like a lot to me. But again, I haven't done the math on this. So full disclosure. But this seemed like a, there was a general consensus. Most things I read, the number came out at around 3,000. So, so there are 3,000 promises in God's word from God to us. Now, some of those maybe perhaps are specific, say, to Israel out of their covenant, or, or maybe God said to Abraham, you know, you will have a son that might just be for Abraham. I don't know how this is quantified. But I can say with certainty, if we're not going to be at least precise, that there's a lot of promises in God's word. God's word is full of promises that he has given to his people. It is full of it. And so we want to take that seriously, because if God has promised something, that is something that we take to the bank. Numbers 23:19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Rhetorical questions, the answer of which is, no, of course not. If God speaks, God does it. If God's promised something, he'll fulfill that. And so all of this talk of prayer all comes down to our trust in the faithfulness of God. We trust that God will be faithful to his word. That God will be faithful to hear us when we call out to him. And that even in the struggles of life, we will lean on the faithfulness of God. And when we pray God's word back to him, we're trusting that he is faithful to write this word. And he is faithful to give us this word. And he'll be faithful to complete this word. And so we pray this word back to him. Does he promise and not fulfill? No, of course not. God keeps his promises. I came across this this week. I wasn't looking for it, but it turned out to be a really good sermon illustration. It was talking about the post-Christmas glut of consumerism and everything. And this was an article on the web. It says that $1 billion in gift cards go unused every year. $1 billion in gift cards. Billion, bah, billion dollars in gift cards go unused every year. 
And we were talking with some people after the first service, and they were just saying, like, some people were saying, like, how is that possible? That's free money in your hand. And other people saying, like, yeah, there's like seven in the backseat of my car right now. I just lose track of them. And so that's, I mean, it's great for the corporations, right? Great for Starbucks and everybody else because they got the money. And you're not redeeming what was given to you. And so we have, you know, in our house, we get gift cards sometimes, and we have a, a drawer in the kitchen, and most kitchens have a drawer where stuff just kind of gets lost. And, uh, and so sometimes it's like, oh, hey, we have a, a keg card. We didn't know that was in there. When did we get that? Two Christmases ago? Like, it just, it happens. And it's not purposeful that it happens. You stick something in your wallet, you forget that it's there. But a billion dollars in gift cards go unused every year. So everyone's going to go home today and check all their drawers, right? Just to make sure. Dump out your purse and your wallet and make sure nothing's hiding in there. That's just a ridiculous amount of money. And what's mind-boggling about it is that, you know, the frustrating thing is that that's a gift that's been paid for, right? Someone paid for that Tim's card. Someone paid for that Starbucks card. It's paid for. It's a free gift sitting in our lap, and we just, we miss it. We lose it sometimes. But the thing is, that is us, when it comes to the promises of God, if we are not grabbing onto these things and crying out for God to be faithful to his word. Right? These have been paid for. These promises are paid for. These promises have been given. The gift is available. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In Jesus, every promise God has made is yes and amen. It is fulfilled completely in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. Everything that he has said from Genesis to the end of Revelation all comes to its fulfillment in Jesus. The first part of Ephesians says we have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have all of it given to us as a promise. And so if we have these true and precious promises in his word, if we have this blessing that has been given to us, let's not be like the ones who are given a gift card and just lose it in the junk drawer. Right? These promises are here for us to cry out to him to fulfill. And we don't want to be those people who, who are part of the billion-dollar problem where the corporation gets all our money and we don't get the stuff that was paid for. There's a, an old saying that's been attributed to many people, including Billy Graham. It says, the storehouses of heaven are filled with blessings that were never asked for. That God has the resources of every richness of his glory, every richness that heaven has, everything that exists in his being and in what he has created, it is all at his disposal. And James says, you don't have it because you don't ask, guys. You don't have it because you don't ask. And you've heard me say before, that's just a really bad reason not to have something, right? If, we, if God says, I got another way for you or something, that's one thing. But to get to heaven and say, you could have had these promises, but you didn't ask, is just a really bad reason to miss out on the blessings of God. If these promises are here, don't we want them? Shouldn't we be pressing in for them? Shouldn't we be saying, okay, if there's 3,000 promises there, that's a whole lot of gift cards. How do I go about redeeming some of these things? How do I go about connecting with some of these things? Let's start crying out to God to be faithful to his word as he's promised that he would be. So how do—I'm just going to give you a few quick examples of how we do this. Uh, first, here's a passage from Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7 well-known if you know the Bible. Uh, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, again, you're probably familiar with that if you've been around church at all. So, the promise is the second part. There is a peace of God which transcends understanding. There is peace available to us which surpasses understanding, surpasses common sense. And we see it honestly all the time. When people are going through tragedy or crisis, often something Christians will say is, we have such a peace. It's, we shouldn't, right, given what we're going through, but we, we do. We have peace at the funeral home, or we have peace in the hospital room. Like, there's a peace available. There's a peace of God which transcends understanding. It doesn't necessarily make sense, but it's there anyway, and it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that's the promise. The peace of God which transcends understanding is available. Anybody need some peace in their life? Just literally just me? All right. Uh, The peace of God is available. It's a promise of God available to us. Now, this one has a condition on it, the first part. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So pray, but not just pray. Pray with thanksgiving, and the peace of God will come. So here's how we do what I'm talking about. We find a promise in God's word, the peace of God which transcends understanding. I would like that in my life. I would like my heart and mind guarded from the stress of this world and temptation. I would like that peace in my life. So we just take the promise of God and we turn it into a simple prayer. Heavenly Father, you have promised a peace that surpasses understanding. And so I pray into this situation with thanksgiving. I thank you that you are bigger than it and that you are going to work it out. So Father, in accordance with your word, let me have this peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So we just take the promise and we turn it into a prayer. And you can pray longer than that, but it can just be that simple. And then you pray until it happens. You don't pray twice and then give up, as we so often do. You pray until the peace comes. You pray until the change happens. When Jesus taught us about prayer, he said it's like going to your neighbor's house in the middle of the night and banging on the door. And if they don't answer, you keep banging on the door. It's kind of annoying, right? I'm going to keep being annoying in my prayer until someone finally gets up and says, all right, what? What do you want? That's the picture God gives us about prayer. It's not just I'm going to pray once, oh, it didn't happen, I guess it's not his will, and I'm going to give up. It's I'm going to pound on the door of heaven until he does what he's promised he's going to do. And we're not ever going to fall into the error of some of what I grew up in, in the charismatic word-faith stream of the church, where uh, I remember sermons where it would be like, if God's word says it, he has to do it. So you don't ask him, you tell him. It was like, oh, even as a kid, that didn't sound right to me. Just that's not the right posture, right? We are the servant. He is the master. We are the creation. He is the creator. We don't ever tell God what to do, but we can call upon him to be faithful to what he's promised. Just like my kids, if I say, hey, we're going to McDonald's after the service, they can say, well, we're going to McDonald's after the service. And if I don't want to be a liar to my kids, I'm going to take them to McDonald's. Sometimes you make a promise as a parent and you regret it, but you do it anyway because you promised that you would do it because that's what a good parent does. And God is undeniably a good parent. Another example, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Paul has learned the secret to be content no matter what his situation is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we find the promise, hey, I would like that sort of strength. I would like the ability to accomplish all things in my life. I don't always feel like I have it. Obviously, it comes through Jesus giving me the strength. So we find the promise in the word, and we turn it into a prayer. Lord, your word says I can do all things through you who give me strength. So give me the strength and let me do that thing. In Jesus' name, amen. We take the word, take the promise, return it to him as a prayer. One more, Philippians 4, 19. By the way, I just gave you three promises from Philippians chapter 4 alone. 
Uh, the Bible is full of promises. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So not all of our financial hopes and dreams necessarily, not a mansion or a fancy car, but all of my needs will be supplied by God according to his riches. And so we find the promise, everything will be covered, we turn it into a prayer, Lord, you've promised that you would supply all my need according to your riches, so Lord, I have a need here, supply it in Jesus' name, amen. So we take the promise, find it in the word, return it to God as a prayer. So again, you can go deeper than that, you can do more than that, but that is the gist of what I'm talking about. We return God's word back to him as prayer, knowing that his word is perfect and God-breathed, and when we pray his word, we are offering perfect and God-breathed prayers back to him. Come on up, worship team, we're just about done. So we don't just want to study the Word. We don't just want to learn the Word. We want to do those things. We don't just want to do those things. We want to be stepping out and praying the Word of God. Again, all landing on the idea that God is faithful, that He will be faithful to His Word, that He will be faithful to keep His promises. And because He is faithful to His Word, we can offer the Word to Him as prayer, trusting in that faithfulness. So we're going to put this into practice today. And I told you everyone was going to need a Bible. So grab your Bible. Grab your phone or your tablet or whatever it is that you're using. And we are going to do this corporately all together. So I have put some psalms up here on the screen. And these are all just psalms of worship. Uh, if you have a different one that you like, by all means do that. But pick one of these and find it in your Bible. The page number's there if you're using the Pew Bible. So pick one of those now. We are out loud, all together, corporately, going to raise our voices in prayer for a few minutes today. We're just going to put this into practice right away. And no one's going to be singled out because we're all going to do it together at the same time. And often in a Jewish synagogue, this is something that will happen. They will corporately raise their voices to pray one of the Psalms together. So we're not going to do the same one. So pick whatever one you like. Turn there now. And we are going to take a few minutes just, we just thought, you know, it's a new year. It's a new start. And as we start off 2019 together as a church family, it just felt like a good way to do it, to start by praying together. And especially by praying perfect prayers together. Uh, prayers that come from God. So I'm going to ask you to all stand to your feet. The worship team is going to keep playing just like this. And we're just going to fill this place with our voices for the next few minutes. You don't have to worry about anyone listening to you because they're all doing their own thing too. So in, in nice, loud voices, worthy of prayer to the Lord, we're going to pray together. If you go through yours pretty quick, you can do it again or switch another, switch to another one. But we're just going to take a few minutes to raise our voices in prayer today. And then we will close off. As we do so, uh, again, just understand that you are returning God's word to him. You know he loves what you're praying because it's his. He breathed it. So you know you are praying something that is his will, that is his character, that is his purpose, and you can't go wrong if you are doing that. All right, do we have our psalms? Are we ready? Ready? All right, let's lift our voices in prayer.
going and keep going. Just in the interest of time, we'll pause there. But what we just did there was so powerful. And, and maybe you felt it just in the spirit that we just corporately, starting this new year together, we just offered perfect worship to God together. Perfect prayers, breathed by the spirit. We got to participate in that. That's a good way to start a year together as we get ready for 2019. So we're gonna close with a worship song that we will sing all together with one voice, uh, singing the same thing. It'll be up on the screen and then we'll wrap up our service. So I encourage you to sing along with us. Thank you, Father. We thank you this morning because you are good. You are perfect, you're holy, you're eternal. We thank you, Father, because you keep your promises because you are faithful in our lives. We thank you this morning, Father, because we know we have the certainty that when we pray, when we cry out to you, you answer our prayers, you hear our voices. We thank you this morning because you are a God who hears the cry of his children. And we thank you for your word this morning that teaches us how to pray to you, how to come to you and how to pray and how to call out your name when we need you, Father. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you that we can come to your presence and seek you when we need you. We can seek your wisdom. We can seek you in every aspect of our lives. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Just want to remind you that we have a prayer team at the front here if you need prayer. And if you want to hang out and visit, you can go to the lobby outside. Have a great Sunday.